Good morning and welcome to the Berean Post devotional podcast, where we take a deep dive into the scriptures to find new insights and practical application for our modern lives. I'm your host, Duane, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you with us today. Each day we'll explore a different passage from the Bible, unpacking its meaning and exploring how it can guide our lives for today. So grab your Bible, your favorite drink, and get ready for an exciting journey of discovery. And if you want to stay up to date on all of our latest podcasts and blogs, be sure to check out brilliantpost.ca. Also, join our Facebook group where we call ourselves Bright Future Bible Freaks, and we have a lot of fun there together. But right now, we're going to get started and jump right into today's devotional. Good morning and welcome to another episode of our daily devotionals. For those of you that have been following along, we have started a new book. We are going through Colossians and we're going to focus on Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 2. But I'm going to be reading from uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And I'm just going to go ahead and jump in with the text. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sustenus, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We've already written about the word church in the devotional, not the pastor, not the Pope, uh, but Christ the ultimate authority of the church. So if you want to know more specifically about the word uh, ecclesia or the word church you can read that article we're not going to go into detail on the meaning of the word church here but rather focus on the phrase the church of god because it appears several times in the new testament letters of paul such as in first corinthians and second corinthians specifically we're going to look at the passages um, where the phrase is rendered in the greek ecclesia tau theo I'm not a Greek scholar, um, but thankfully we've got tools to help us um, with this. Bible scholars say that there are differences in translations between the Greek and English, but the underlying meaning uh, and significance of the Church of God remains the same. So we want to provide an overview of the relationship between Paul and the churches he planted, highlighting key themes and experiences. But first, did you know that several denominations use the phrase the Church of God as part of their denominational name. They, they share a common history and a theological tradition that traces back to the holiness movement in America and American Protestantism, Protestantism, I'm having trouble with that word this morning, Protestantism joined the late 19th and the earliest 20th century. 20th century. Well, these movements emphasize the possibility of a second work of grace or sanctification leading to a deeper spiritual life. And these denominations were committed to the Christian faith and the significance of the phrase of the Church of God as, as explained in the Bible. Some of these groups emerged, some of the groups that emerged from this movement include, of course, the Church of God Anderson, Indiana, that was founded in 1881, I believe, as well as the Church of God Cleveland, Tennessee, the Church of God um, Holiness, 
and the Church of God's Seventh Day. And there's many more. There's other groups that use the phrase to legitimize their authority, um, with many of their members actually believing their denominations are the direct descendants of the early church. Some of these might include the Church of God in Christ, headquartered in Memphis, Tennessee, the Church of God of Prophecy, headquartered in Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, the International Church of Christ, uh, headquartered in Memphis, uh, sorry, located in, Lu- in Lu- St. Louis, Missouri, uh, the Pentecostal Church of God, headquartered in Belfort, Texas, <laughs> the United Church of God, headquartered, uh, headquartered in Milford, Ohio, and the Church of God Mountain Assembly, again, headquartered in Jellico, Texas. <laughs> That's quite a few uh, denominations that incorporate the phrase the Church of God into their title. But even though these denominations have different leaders and structures, they all believe in the importance of the Church of God as a group of believers who follow Jesus and live out their faith in the world. They also commit to personal holiness and the Holy Spirit's role in the believer's life. So modern-day denominations serve as important centers for Christian worship, education, and service. They also provide believers with ways to strengthen their faith and help their communities. And while each group has its own unique theology and practices, their shared roots in the holiness movement and commitment, they have a shared roots rather in the holiness uh, movement and a commitment to the Christian faith. However, it's also true that the practices of many denominational churches differ um, starkly from the early Christian communities that Paul helped to establish. And while evangelism and conversion um, remain central to many denominational churches, the focus is often on building the church, in, in the church's institution, rather than fostering genuine relationships with new converts. And this can lead to a a corporate culture um, with, with in which the church becomes more of a of a business rather than a community of faith. Relationship building and conflict resolution can also differ significantly in denominational churches. While some churches prioritize building solid relationships with members, others may have a more transactional approach, treating members as customers to be served rather than fellow believers to be loved and supported. Conflict resolution can be handled through formalized processes rather than through legitimate engagement with individuals involved involved and a committed a commitment to sharing rather to resolving the issues compassionately and respectfully the practices of denominational corporate and institutional churches today may differ significantly from the early church communities that Paul hoped to establish while exceptions exist many churches today would benefit from a a renewed focus on evangelism, discipleship, relationship building, and mutual support as exemplified by Paul's relationship with the churches that he he planted. Paul's relationship with the churches that he planted is characterized by evangelism, discipleship, relationship building, mutual support, and partnership. First, he evangelized and converted individuals to the Christian faith then established communities of believers. He later assumed the role of a teacher and mentor, providing guidance and support to these early Christians. Despite facing conflict and tension within these communities, Paul remained committed to their growth and development. 
We also recognize the contributions of others, forming partnerships with them to create vibrant centers of of the Christian witness and service. Other critical differences between the early church and modern uh, denominations is in the role of leadership. In the early church, leadership was largely decentralized, with each community of believers operating under the guidance of local elders or apostles. In modern denominations, however, leadership is often centralized with specific individuals or groups holding authority over multiple congregations. It's very much a, a corporate executive model. What would Paul say concerning the concept of denominational churches? Well, I mean, we can't speak for Paul himself, but we can provide some insight based on his writings. Paul emphasized, uh, Paul emphasis rather was on the unity of believers in Christ. And he wrote this in, 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 the, in this text here. In chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. While Paul addressed the issue of disagreement and divisions in the early church, he did not explicitly discuss the concept of denominationalism as we know it today. Still, Paul might encourage Christians to focus more on their shared beliefs and practices and less on denominational differences to to promote a greater unity and cooperation among believers. At At the same time, Paul valued the diversity within the church, and as he wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, um, 12 to 27, he, 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 there he compares the body of Christ to a human body with many different parts. So while he might urge Christians to work towards a greater unity, he would likely also recognize and appreciate other denominations' unique contributions and perspective within the broader church. May we remember that despite our denominational differences, we're all a part of the church of God to those that know Christ, to those that are committed to him, and we are committed to living out our faith in the world and growing in personal holiness just as Paul and the early church did. So let us work on growing in our unity, focus more on Christ and less on our divisions. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Brian Post Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion and it's brought you some encouragement and insight. Hey, if you want to stay up to date with all of our latest blogs, posts, and podcast episodes, be sure to visit brianpost.ca and subscribe. Don't forget to share our website with your friends who might need some inspiration or motivation. You can also join our community of bright future Bible freaks on Facebook. Until next time, may peace and blessings abound in your home.